Blog Talk Radio. Time now for the Gridiron Stud Show. Well, you can be all American. I'm actually, now. You're actually, I can do it now. You can do it now? Yeah, I can do it. I'm trying to focus on my position. With your host, Chad Wilson. They hating on me on You know I got to do something in the mix. Bringing you high school, college, and NFL talk. I don't rap a discipline. Me you all need more discipline. True discipline. Come on, get a grip. Call us on the show today. Don't get out of my face with that crazy that, stuff. That, that. The number to call, 347-633-9365. If y'all got to take, y'all know that. Or you can reach us on Twitter, at GridironStud. And now, your host, Chad Kill the music. That's my cue. It's 8 o'clock here on a Wednesday, 8 o'clock here on the East Coast. And uh, as we do every Wednesday here, it's the recruiting show on the Gridiron Show. Recruiting comes to the Gridiron Stud Show every uh, 8 o'clock on a Wednesday. And uh, we are here and at it again. Um, the usual lineup of suspects in terms of reporters across the country joining me tonight. We're going to have Greg Biggins on. Uh, from Scout.com, talking about West Coast recruiting. I'll have Woody Womack, uh, Lord of the Southeast, talking about some recruiting in his area. National recruiting analyst Ryan Bartow joins me from 247 Sports. Uh, also, Andrew Spivey from Gator Country to talk some Florida Gators recruiting uh, will join me in the uh, bottom half of the first hour. Then uh, also, Corey Bender will join me, talk a lot of uh, local recruiting here in the South Florida area, a little Miami Hurricanes football recruiting. And then uh, the legend himself, Larry Bluestein, joins me tonight. Happy to have him on as high school football regular season winds itself down here in uh, in uh, South Florida. Dade, Broward, Palm Beach County all coming down to the end as we have hit week 11. How fast that happened. Week 11 is here, and uh, we'll talk about some uh, local prospects down here that some you may know about and others you may not because, you know, Larry gets himself around and sees a lot of football. So always great to have him on to talk about the big guys as well as the quote-unquote little guys operating on the high school football fields here in South Florida. So a pretty packed lineup coming at you tonight on the recruiting show and uh, looking forward to having the reporters on to give great information. It's been outstanding, and the feedback on the recruiting roundtable show has been excellent. Folks really like uh, the reporters coming on, a lot of great information. 
um, is revealed on this very show every week. So I appreciate you tuning in. And in the second hour, would love to hear from you folks out there listening. I get recruiting questions all the time, um, whether I'm out out in the open or um, I get them sent to me by email, Twitter, all that. So hey, look, tonight's a good a good time for you uh, during the nine o'clock hour to call into the show with some of your recruiting questions, because uh, sometimes. The question you have is a question that a lot of other people have. So if you can get on the show and ask the question and I can answer it, hey, we kill a lot of birds with just one stone there. So a question asked by you might be something someone else has on their mind, and I answer it, and I answer it for not only you, um, you know, maybe 10, 20, 30 other people who might have had the same question and uh, might also enlighten quite a few other people as we get a pretty good following on this show, several hundred people listening every week. So Appreciate uh, all of you listeners, and again, uh, good time tonight in the 9 o'clock hour to get even comments off your chest. If you have a comment about recruiting, because, you know, people have a lot of comments, too, about what goes on in the world of college football recruiting. You get that as well. Not only do I get questions, I get people who have uh, some very strong opinions on college football recruiting. So it would be interesting to get some of those, too, so we can open up a discussion about it. Um, Certainly I'm open to that. You know, we could clear up some myths about recruiting because there are quite a few out there or, you know, perhaps discuss what are some of the facts uh, with college football recruiting. You know, open some eyes there and really inform people on uh, the ins and outs of college football recruiting. And it's for me, for someone who's been in the actual business of college football recruiting for six years now, it's still a learning process. Um, I think in the last recruiting cycle, I learned quite a bit, not only about college football recruiting, but about college football itself, some of it good, some of it bad, um, and nothing, you know, a lot of it I would not reveal on this show, certainly not tonight, but nevertheless, uh, again, an opportunity for you to call into the show. You can call during the uh, first hour as well if if you uh, are so inclined. The number is 347-633-9365. Again, it's 347-633-9365 if you want to reach me on the show Tonight, And perhaps after listening to some of uh, my guests, you may indeed come up with a question that you would like asked. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of our listeners do have them. Feel free. Don't be shy. Uh, nothing to be afraid of. Just call into the show and uh, ask your question. We'll try and get it answered. And again, if I don't have an answer, I could find someone that can get an answer for you to your questions on the show Today, So, again, that's my big, long invitation to my listeners out there. Don't just be a listener. Be a participant. This is interactive. All right? The Gridiron Stud Show is interactive, so um, interact. Nevertheless, uh, one of the things I want to talk about, and I wrote an article about this several weeks ago, it's the five-star curse. You know, a lot of high school football players want to be five-star. They always talk about, I want to get that fifth star. You know, I need to get that extra star. I want to go to camp be that five-star guy. And, you know, that's great. It's a symbol of accomplishment for most guys, hard work. For others, it's just a symbol of you being abnormal in terms of your physical development. Let's just be honest. Sometimes a five-star is a five-star because he's abnormally tall, abnormally fast, abnormally well-built, strong, something of that nature, some, you know, obvious physical gift that you can, that stands out to you when you just watch that individual play. It is not always, and a lot of times, it is not always 
the best high school football player at the time. At the time that they're in high school, they're not necessarily the best high school football player. A lot of times, they may not even be the best player on their team. Nevertheless, they're five-star and someone else is a three-star, who's, you know, many would say if you're just looking at the high school games, this particular individual that is a three-star is the actual best player on that team. And so here's what happens to a lot of five-stars is you get deemed uh, to be a five-star, and they're being anointed that earlier and earlier nowadays. So this could happen to you as a sophomore or junior. And listen, it's human nature. A lot of youngsters will want to relax when they feel they've arrived. And what what says you've arrived more than becoming a five-star? You know, Rivals, Scout, and 247, ESPN, they all saying you're a five-star and you're seeing yourself on TV. When you're, when you're a teenager, it's something very difficult for you to manage mentally. You may think you're ready to manage it, but mm, you're probably not, like with a lot of other things when you're a teenager. Being a teenager is the part of time in your life where you think you're the smartest, and in actuality, you're probably the dumbest. And that goes for every teenager who's gone through there. I was pretty, you know, book smart as a teenager. You know, I had a little bit of awareness. You know, spending early years in New York City certainly grows someone up, but I was still an idiot. But you couldn't have told me that. I was Einstein, 15, 16, 17. I knew it all. I would tell my dad about life, and he'd just look at me and shake his head or laugh. Or, you know, those were when he wasn't backhanding me. And, you know, I'd try to tell mom about how life works, and she'd quickly correct me. I wasn't really totally hearing. But nevertheless, you think you're ready for what comes with being a five-star. And what happens to a lot of those guys is they start living the five-star lifestyle. They think they're going hard at practice. You're not really going that hard because you have some kind of a physical advantage out there and guys really aren't on your level a lot of times and you're just cruising along. You're doing the minimum. You're conserving energy. It's human nature to do that. You're not high tempo at practice. There's only a handful of guys that are built that way, wired that way, that despite being not being challenged in practice, they're creating their own challenges. A lot of guys will just accept the fact that there aren't any really challenge any challenges here, the defensive, and that's at practice doing one on ones or, or you know the team period. And the left tackle can't, hasn't been able to block me for two three years now. Why would he block me today? So I'm not going to go that hard. Or the defensive back that's just a complete and total beast that doesn't. There's no receiver on his team that could beat him with any decent amount of consistency. So your technique starts to wane off a little bit. Maybe you do things to allow him to be open so a ball can get thrown. And you start to develop some bad habits. On top of that, the whole mental aspect of things. Like you're not in that mental grind mode. And then you finish your senior year and you head off to college. And you're ready. In your mind, you're ready. I'm the best high school football player in the country. One of the best. I have never in a long time, lined up on a football field and not dominated the guy in front of me. Then you go to college. And the first thing you realize on the football field is that practice in college is not like practice in high school. Not at all. There are very few high schools 
in this country that can mimic the setup and pace of a college football practice. First of all, it takes a lot of manpower to run college football practice at some of the major at, at all of the major schools. Let me say not let me not say some all of them. It takes a lot of manpower. That means a lot of GAs and assistants and all those kind of guys that don't have the title of coach that got to go move things, set up things, run around and get things all set up so that practice so that there is no downtime in between practice. You don't have that in high school. So there's a lot of uh there's a lot of cold time, a lot of downtime in between the little different periods of practice if you even have that. Uh I know there's some high schools out there where they don't really have periods. And by that I mean an individual period, a special teams period, a group period, an inside run period, all those different things that make up a legitimate practice. Uh there are several places where you go, you stretch, uh you warm up, you do a couple sprints and it's scrimmage time and then you're scrimmaging for the next hour, hour and a half. You think I'm joking? That happens. And the actual instruction is going on during a scrimmage. And you get to college. And that scrimmage is the last part of practice. Before that, you're going through a whole bunch of things. And it's physically intense, but even more shocking to the high school football player is the mental intensity. How focused you need to be, plus how much you need to learn and process while you're actually on the field moving around. Not to mention you taking what you learned or didn't even understand in the in the meeting that you were scared to ask about in the meeting and now getting on the football field and trying to process all of that. And, you know, you didn't. You were afraid to ask the question in the meeting, so you didn't. And now you're out on the football field and you figure, I'll just figure it out as I go along. And you didn't. And now you're on the field and you're screwing it up and you're moving at a fast pace. And you're not used to, as a five-star high school, high school athlete, being yelled at and you're getting screamed at. The guy that was loving you up during the whole recruiting process because he wanted to land this five-star to school is now cursing you out like you are the kid from high school that should have been on the band but came out and played football. You know that guy. You used to make fun of him with your friends in high school. Now you're that guy. You're out there and you don't know what the hell you're doing. You're that guy you used to make fun of in high school. But the worst part of it for you as the five-star is that there are a lot of expectations. Everyone's expecting you to play as a freshman. Not only are they expecting you to play as a freshman, they're expecting you to play well as a freshman. That means you can't get beat. That means if you're a running back, you've got to break 50-yard runs. If you're a receiver, you've got to catch every ball and be open all the time. If you're a quarterback that happens to start as a five-star freshman, man, you've got to make all the reason throws, and you know that's not happening. So there's the pressure from the coach, there's the pressure from the fans, there's pressure from your own family. Like, damn, man, you a five-star in high school. Why are you sitting on the bench? Or why are you getting beat? Why are you getting beat by that guy, man? I watched that guy last year. He wasn't no good. Like, how are you getting beat by that guy? It's that five-star curse. So I'm saying to you guys out there that are four and five stars, as best you can, challenge yourself at the high school level and the challenge may not exist from someone else on your high school football team your high school coach is probably kissing your rear end because he's just so blessed and and lucky to have you on the team and he just kind of lets you do whatever you want you practice if you want to practice don't practice if you don't want to practice 
got all that going on. Man, forget about all that. Take no handouts when you're in high school if you're a five-star. None. Find some individual challenges and work on those. I'm telling you, you will thank me when you get to the next level. And even by doing that, you still won't be able to mimic the intensity of a college football atmosphere and practice, especially at one of these schools that are vying for a national championship or a conference championship. But at least you will be better prepared than if you decide you're going to just, you know, slack off and take the minimum and take the handoffs, take take the handouts, practice when you want to practice, participate in certain parts of practice if you feel like it, when you feel Don't do it. I'm telling you, don't do it. You will regret it at the next level. That is the curse of the five-star high school football player. You get labeled that, you fall into that mindset, and it kills you. And for some guys, it's fatal to your college career. They can never recover mentally from now going from being the guy in high school, the one that everyone talked about that could do whatever he wants, to being a guy that now has to climb the mountain or climb up a depth chart in college football. Sometimes... It overwhelms guys, and they can never get it together. And I'm willing to bet you a lot of most of the time when you have a five-star bus in college, it was a mental thing, not a physical thing. Because I've already told you, a lot of these guys uh, that get labeled five stars physically are impressive. That's one of the first things that gets you to being a five star. You're physically impressive. So it's not a lot of times it's not about the physical when they get to college. It's the mental part of it they couldn't handle. They couldn't handle being catered to. They couldn't handle being able to do what they wanted practice. They couldn't handle, you know, being able to skip a meeting or just skip a practice or skip a period of practice. You are getting treated like everyone else because you haven't done a damn thing yet once you've gotten to college when you're a, a, a college freshman. No one cares about your offers. They don't care that you played in the Under Armour All-American game. They don't care that you went to the opening. They don't care that you got – MVP of the rivals camp, that crap does not matter. And for some guys, they just can't get over it. So if you're listening to me and you're one of them five-star guys or a highly regarded four-star guy, find your challenges in high school. Challenge yourself. Create them. Make them out of thin air. You know what? That will go a long way into your adult life if you learn that skill right now. Don't take the cheese. I am going to take a break. And when I get back, it's time to hit the recruiting roundtable as I talk to recruiting reporters from all over the country. I'll do that when I return from this break right after this. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now.
high school recruits out there. You want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit squidironstuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. Squidironstuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen. Recruiting Roundtable Gridiron Stud Show, as we are every Wednesday. And I uh, always love having this next guest on because I've got to touch that uh, West Coast side of me. And all of you out there should be uh, touching the West Coast side of you, too. Some of you are, are actually on the West Coast. Others of you are down here in South Florida and do need to uh, understand that there's a galaxy that exists outside of this state as it pertains to high school football. And the guy to help us with that is uh, my guest from Scout.com, Greg Biggins. Greg, how you doing? I'm good, man. I, I I love the intro as always. Got to everyone's got to get a little, little West Coast love in their in their life, right? Just a little bit. Oh, they need it. They need it, especially our folks down here in uh, the Sunshine State who think uh, <laughs> once you head north of uh, the state line, football doesn't exist. Like they, I guess they're playing soccer or something like that. I, that usually <laughs> pisses them off when I say that. But you know, the truth is the truth. All right, let's talk. Uh, some West Coast football, and uh, you know, we do this rapid fire here. Um, Theo Howard. Um, very interesting athlete out there on the West Coast. Tell us what we needed to like, kind of give us a scouting report about this uh, youngster. Is um, uh, he seems to be quite talented. Tell us what we need to know about Theo Howard. He is. He is a, a talented kid. Early, early Oregon commit backed off back in August. I'd say of all the receivers out west, this is probably the deepest year for receivers we've had in the last probably the last decade. He's got he's the guy with the most upside. He's, he's not there yet, but he's the guy. It has by far the most speed. He's a legit, you know, low four three four four guy. He can really run. He catches the ball well. After the catch, he, he brings the most to the table in terms of being able, you know, make a couple of guys miss and go to the house. He can run by a guy. Um, so, you know, everyone loves comparisons, just kind of body-wise and, and speed. Athleticism kind of compares pretty favorably to Marquise Lee, who played at Sarah High School in the USC mm-hmm. a few years back. So I think he's definitely a talented kid and, and a guy – so UCLA hasn't had a guy like him in a long time. I can't remember the last game breaker they've had at receiver. So Theo is a guy who they desperately needed, and they were able to uh, to beat out some pretty big-time schools for him. You think they're going to be able to hold on to Theo Howard, though? I mean, look, we, it, it seems close signing day, but we know in the recruiting cycles uh, and in the recruiting world, oh, it's very far away. It only it gets really shady after December. <laughs> I do. I do think they will. You know, like I said, he originally committed to Oregon. Uh, UCLA was his number two choice. So they were always right there. Uh, he really likes their receiver coach, Eric Yarber. Uh, he's excited about the opportunity to go catch some passes from Josh Rosen. He's having a great freshman year. And it's close to home. Again, that was the biggest thing. It was close to home. Proximity was big. And he's going to be an early grad. So they don't need to worry about waiting until February. They just need to get him through December. He's going to enroll in January. And he thinks of all the schools, you know, kind of came down to them in SD. Uh, Texas A&M. He also took a visit too, but again, proximity and, and just the opportunity to come, you know, come in and play right away. UCLA was just that best fit for him. 
Yeah, and he, look, I have to, I think if you poll these coaches, they love those uh, early signees because they don't really want to go through the whole January February thing. Oh, uh, no. I, I found that's this no. I found this interesting. Tyler Vaughn's one of my favorite guys out west in terms of receivers because his game is so polished. And be that as it may, as it may, he's uh, basically a six foot two hundred and seventy pound guy who has said uh, he wants to make an early impact. But he's a USC commit. Is that is that realistic? Can that really happen, or um, is Tyler going to be a little disappointed as a freshman next year? Yeah, I think I think he's got a chance. You know, like you mentioned, the thing with with Tyler is, is he's so polished. And I love what you said in the opening about the five star, high four star guys. You know, they kind of come in, and for mm-hmm. me, the, the guys I've seen that are five star busts are the guys who lack toughness. You know, that they, they just mm-hmm. they've never had a guy who can physically measure up to them, and they kind of just cave. Tyler's a guy who he, he's tough, you know, and he's competitive, and he's got a great work ethic off the field. He's going to come in now. Physically, he's kind of unique. He doesn't have, you know, these off the chart tools. He's six three, but he's not your your Des Bryant, your Julio Jones, your you know your Calvin. He's not a big, thick, physical guy. He's not mm-hmm. a burner. He's not mm-hmm. a four five. Maybe on a good day, he's a low four seven guy. So physically, right. he doesn't have all those great tools. But man, you know, body control, hands, route running. Uh, just spatial awareness, just understanding how to play the game, instinct. I mean, he's got all that off the chart. So I think he does have a chance to come in and play. They've got some great players coming back at receiver at USC. But I think Tyler does mm-hmm. have a chance to come in and, and at least get in that rotation. Uh, yeah, which would be interesting to see because, as you said, um, and as I know, this yeah, a lot of thing is caught. Up, a lot of stuff gets caught up on the physical, but. Sometimes when you actually get on campus and a guy can show the ability to get open and catch the football and keep the chains moving, he becomes a darling yep. of the coaching staff. So from that standpoint, um, perhaps he does make an early impact over there at USC. Uh, you know, I don't. You know, this show's kind of geared around it, and and recruiting is kind of also geared around the skill positions. That you know, they get a lot of the love here. But I wanted to talk about offensive linemen on the uh, on the West Coast. Don't get to talk about that much. Tell me some offensive linemen, one or two, because we're short on time here, that that uh, you think are impactful and, and deserve some recognition from out that way. Yeah, I mean, the, the big uglies need some love too, right? Probably the top guy is a kid from Northern California, Folsom High School, Jonah Williams. Uh, he's new mm-hmm. to new to California. He's actually moved in here as a sophomore, so he's been out here for just, just a couple years. He's not going to be out here for very long. He committed to Alabama. He comes from an mm-hmm. Auburn family. Ironically, his mom went to Auburn, but Jonah is going to Alabama. Tremendous tackle. Uh, you know, he's got mm-hmm. everything you want. He checks off every box. You watch his tape, and the thing that jumps out for me is just how athletic he is. You know, everyone's big, right? I mean, everyone's big mm-hmm. at the next level. Sure. Six, five, six, everyone's big. And he moves like a guy who's 240, and he's tough, and he's violent, and he can finish, and he does all those things I like a lot. And then probably another guy, who, another tackle, a uh, kid from Jay Sarah High School in Orange County, uh, Luke Wattenberg, he's going to be going to University of Washington. Another guy, again, athletic. He can move. He also plays in the defensive line, which I love to see. Guys, kind of high school, you should be able to go both ways, right? You're young, you can rally. Sure. Uh, but next, sure. next level, he, he'll be a tackle all the way right or left. But again, very physical, uh, very violent kid, moves effortlessly. So those two guys, Jonah Williams, Luke Wattenberg, I'm a big fan of both those two. Yeah, you gotta you gotta talk linemen. Now there's a there's a camp that goes down every year and I forget the name of it. Um I think run by some Polynesian guys. Yes. Um could you help me out with that? What, what's that camp? Yeah. PTP it's prime time Polynesian camp. 
Uh, great organization, great group of guys. Uh, the Talamavos, their son actually, uh, it's an uncle and a dad, um, but their son actually plays at USC, started as a true freshman. And it's not just for the Polys, you know, obviously it's called primetime Polynesian, but they, they get everybody in the area. And it's a really, I've been, been every year, uh, they do a great job in terms of technique and just learning. And they, you know, again, they really preach the whole toughness and you got to be able to compete. They, so again, at that next level, man, if you're not tough, you cannot play. So that, that's what they're big on, technique and just teaching toughness and being physical and nasty and aggressive. And, you know, they do a great job with that. Yeah, that's one camp I uh, want to get out to and, and see. For some strange reason, a uh, 190-pound guy like myself that coaches DBs has a love for line play. I don't I don't understand it, but it is what it is. So I do want to see how those guys go at it because I've heard so much about the camp. Well, listen, Greg, as always, uh, appreciate you coming on and shedding some light on the West Coast for us on the Gridiron Stud Absolutely. Show. Absolutely. Yep. My pleasure, Thanks. man. Be good chat. I'll talk to you soon. Yep. All right. Thanks, Greg. Greg Biggins from Scout.com joining us here on the Gridiron Stud Show and uh, sharing uh, some key information on a couple of wideouts. And also the big guys, the big guys in the trenches, giving us some information on uh, some of the top guys on the offensive line out west, out there on the west coast. All right, from the west coast, we come back over here to the southeast. And uh, one of uh, my favorite guys, a very entertaining reporter, I must say, um, Woody Womack from Rivals.com here to talk some southeast recruiting here. Woody, how you doing, man? Woody, you there? All right, having a little trouble with Woody. We'll try back with him again in uh, just a moment. Um, nevertheless, it's it's always good when we can get some information on them big guys. Listen, if you're just one of these fans that go out and watch football and uh, all you're paying attention to is the quarterback, I urge you every now and then to take a look into the interior and just watch what's going on there because that's really the game inside of the game right there. Who's handling their business there in the trenches? And, uh, you know, you definitely got to pay a little attention to to uh, what's going on down there in, in, in the trench area because uh, that will kind of really just tell you who's – who's doing what and who's going to have their way down there. That's that's uh, definitely um, where the game is won and lost, as they say. So, nevertheless. All right, I'm going to try Woody once again. I think I probably jumped on with the wrong guy. All right, Woody, you there? Yes, I got you. Got me. All right. I, mean, I could hear you. Yeah. You couldn't hear me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, uh, you know, messing around up there. So, nevertheless, that's on me. Um, let's talk some Southeast recruiting. Let's just jump right into this thing. Um, I do want to ask you this though, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the heater here right right away, and just be as honest with Uncle Chad as much as you can. Um, when they were coming out, we know about everything Derrick Henry was doing in high school. Who would you have thought would be the first out of these two guys to win a Heisman Trophy, Leonard Fournette or Derrick Henry? Well, my money would have been on Fournette by far. Uh, really? You no. Know, Despite Derrick Henry rushing for seven miles in high school. Well, a lot of people blame me, uh, rightfully so, for Derrick Henry not being a fifth star or a five star because I was pounding. <laughs> oh, really? I, 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 I mean, you know, and I still, I honestly, I'll, I'll fight it. You know, the, the criteria that we all use at every one of these recruiting services is the ultimate decider is will he be a first round draft pick? I still don't see. Derrick Henry is a first-round draft pick, and I think when it came to deciding, I mean, you know, that, that was what it came down to me. I saw him and Kelvin Taylor play head-to-head that year in person, mm-hmm. and I just mm-hmm. I like I like Taylor more. And you know, I, I never had a doubt about Fournette. I mean, we had him, I think, number three overall. Henry was 
somewhere in the 30s or 40s. So, uh, wow. and that was me. Farrell listened to me. I don't know what he was thinking, but. Uh, <laughs> what was uh and 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 so like just really quick tell me what would be the reasons for you not thinking that he would be either a five star or a future um, first round pick? I just I just didn't you know and obviously he's had a you know he's having a great season he's in the mix for the Heisman I just didn't see I just didn't quite see it I mean we know he put up all those yards but who was he playing against up there in Yuli or or wherever he wherever that was. And then I, mm-hmm. I I just thought he was too upright. I thought he was a little little too stiff. I just didn't I just didn't see it from that aspect. I thought he was talented. I thought you know obviously like I said we had a top fifty, but when you're separating from top fifty to top twenty five, you got to nitpick a little bit, and that was that was my concern on Henry. Yeah, well, listen, I got to be honest with you too. I thought he'd be better off going and playing on the defensive side of the ball because I just thought a guy that big is probably going to be injured a whole lot because people are going to go low, hit the knees, and I just saw Brandon Jacobs all over again. So you're not that crazy, Woody. All right, you got a, another crazy guy here with you, but he's both uh, make, probably at this point in time making us eat a little crow on that. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about Todd Tantio, a quarterback from 2017, uh, you know, once a commit to the University of Miami. What's the latest with that as he's kind of uh, fell off the radar a little bit in terms of the talk circles? You know, put him back on the radar for us. What's going on with him? Well, you know, I like Todd quite a bit. I mean, he's a guy that I've been following, I guess, now since he was a freshman. You know, his dad uh, his dad doesn't let anybody forget about him if you've ever met him. <laughs> <you've ever met. laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, dads he, are dads he, in this game. <laughs> when he decommitted from Miami, I assumed he was bound for NC State. I think you know, mm-hmm. with, with a lot of these 2017 quarterbacks, he's one of them. They're in a way, they're in a kind of in a holding pattern because we've got a, you know some dominoes have fallen. Jake Allen's off the board, guys like that. But mm-hmm. there, are, there are a lot of different players that that kind of need to commit before our spots really open up for other guys. I think Todd might be in kind of that second tier. Uh, you know, just some some people don't like him as much. They doubt him because of his height. But you know, I think he's an mm-hmm. exciting player. I think he's going to go somewhere. I could see, like I said, I, you know, NC State wouldn't be a bad fit. It just but it depends on you know how those coaching dominoes fall. Yeah, um, you got because you you know you're going to have all the coaching changes and all that stuff too. But you know, the quarterbacks, uh, you get the commitments out of them earlier. So I think it, you know their clock's a little faster. And I just found it interesting that, you know, he was still out there and juggling a lot of names of schools around. So, um, you know, found that a little interesting. So need a little information on him. Uh, an interesting happen, thing happened this weekend um, or this week, and that was uh, Marlon Character flipping from South Carolina to Auburn. Could you tell us what was behind that? Was, the, was that the magical power of T-Rob or kid just not, you know, entirely sure about what would be next at South Carolina. What was behind that move? Well, that was a story I broke, as you know. I know you keep track at mm-hmm. home of uh, which commitments I break <laughs> and which ones I don't, but despite right. some controversy with some of my competition. Uh, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I honestly thought Marlon was headed to uh, Auburn originally. He went to Auburn, visited back in July, then went to South Carolina two days later and then called me at midnight. I was like, I just committed to South Carolina. I was like, Mm. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah so, because we had some plans, uh, we had some bigger plans in the works for his commitment, but he, you know, he couldn't, mm. he could keep it under wraps. So, so I think Auburn was always kind of lingering. Then South Carolina has a rough year. Then Spurrier leaves, and from what Marlon told me, uh, the, the communication hasn't been the same since Spurrier left. I think 
You know, mm-hmm. a lot of these guys that are still on their staff, their heart may not be in it from a recruiting standpoint. And right, um, I, don't right. think, I don't think Q Rob ever gave up on him either. So all those things factored in. But I think it's probably a better fit for him at Auburn than it, than it was at South Carolina anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, you might be right, you know, and, and there's no denying what, you know, uh, Will Muschamp and, and uh, T. Rob have been able to do for uh, defensive backs. They left a very nice group there at Florida, I might say. So um, perhaps there's some of that magic working there. Well, Woody, you've got some stuff going on that I want to give you a chance to promote here on the show that I think people might be interested in. So the stage is yours. Well, people, you know, people love to hear, you know, me come on here and make a fool of myself. I have a whole show where I do that for 40 minutes straight. Uh, it's a new podcast with me and Rob Cassidy, a guy who's down there in your neck of the woods. Uh, it's mm-hmm. called Commitment It's called commitment Issues. Uh, we talk mm. mostly Southeast recruiting on there. So uh, you can find it, uh, you know, by go on Twitter, at uh, Rivals Podcast. You can find it by following me, at Rivals Woody, and I'll be sure to promote it plenty. So uh, check it out. Just half-hour, easy, breezy conversation of me talking recruiting. I like the name. Who came up with that? Who's getting credit for that? <laughs> well, you know, obviously I'll take credit for it because I'm the public face, but it was, uh, it was actually one of our editors uh, that works at Rivals used to work at Sports Illustrated. So the mind behind the mind are who comes with the good ideas like that. Yeah, uh, good one. Good, I like that, and we'll be looking forward to it. And as always, man, appreciate you coming on our show that doesn't have quite as jazzy a name, but appreciate you being on here nonetheless. <laughs> All right, I appreciate it. All right, Woody Womack from Rivals.com joining us here to talk Southeast recruiting. And uh, this guy covers the whole globe uh, from the from Key West all the way to the great Northwest. And uh, just happy to have him on talking about um, all of the great stuff going on across this country in recruiting. And that's, of course, the uh, great Ryan Bartow from 247 Sports. Ryan, how you doing? Doing great, Chad. What's shaking? Oh, uh, listen, we're me personally – we're uh, trying to get ourselves together for yet another playoff run here and try to make some history over at American Heritage High School, trying to become the first Broward County school to win back-to-back-to-back uh, championships. So that's, uh, that's the dominant thing on, uh, on uh, my mind these days, and I, I know for a lot of guys on our staff. So we're uh, trying to go about that. And I've seen you out there visiting us, so you kind of know what we're going through. So uh, yeah, that's where I'm a at. a couple games this year. I think things are looking good to do the three-peat. Got good balance. Obviously, nine, ten, maybe eleven, four stars. I think Tyson Campbell is going to be added to that mountain real soon, and and so I think things are looking. Hey, real look! Good don't you go run. jinxing us, Ryan, with the the whole we're going to win, you know, triple triple championships around here. All right, don't go gassing our head up. Tell us we're going to lose. I need you to come on and pick us to lose a game during this playoff run. Can you do that for me, just to get us all uh, sauced up for a game one night? No, that's not going to happen. I'm just trying to be upbeat and uh, call it the way I see it. Uh, Yeah, I appreciate you coming out. All right, another uh, team that's looking real good for being in Orlando and winning a championship, uh, the Flanagan uh, Dirty Birds, as they say. And one guy who uh, is, I feel, a very, very good athlete. I know you've had a chance to see him and a pretty solid football player that kind of gets lost in some of the big names that they have over there. And that's Fayon Hicks, who is uh, also a – uh, recruiting prospect for Cincinnati. What can you tell us about Fayon Hicks and, and Cincy right now? Yeah, I mean, he, he runs good, probably a 4-5 laser, 3-4 GPA, which is going to open up a lot of doors. Already has five early offers, UCF, Cincinnati, FAU, Illinois, Miami, Ohio, 
right now UCF mm-hmm. that he visited a couple of weeks ago um, is in the lead early on. He definitely uh, would like to get up some bigger offers, maybe the Gators. Definitely uh, Notre Dame, who is showing mm-hmm. heavy interest in him, could be on deck to offer. And he's got the academics to go with it. So it's nice for him to be in a situation, obviously, where the rest of his secondary is all D1 guys, too. They got a big game Friday against St. Thomas Aquinas. And uh, I think Hicks, um, five offers, but he's a, he's a 15 to 20 offer guy. And given his academics and his speed and his upside a lot, um, I would be surprised come May 31st if, if he wasn't uh, deep in the double digits in terms of offers. Yeah, is that what you, you think we'll see when the season is over and, you know, Flanagan's made their run? Um, we, we start to see some, some heavy activity in terms of recruiting for Fayon Hicks? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the buzz out there will be, okay, you know, you got to go see Stanford Samuels, but shoot, they got a corner that's really good that's got great grades and speed there too that you got to go check out. And everybody probably knows that Samuels will go to Florida State but they actually got a shot yeah. at Hicks. So so the, the kind of traffic they'll get through there in the spring, that'll add up and that'll help that kid. Yeah, um, that, interesting that you said that about Samuels. I don't see – I don't often see much – talk coinciding with him and Florida State. I usually see Georgian and people are trying to throw the whole, um, you know, Michigan thing on there because they think some sort of pipeline is being uh, set up there for for Flanagan, guys that just um, file in one by one to Michigan. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, um, I I think Georgia and Alabama are in there a little bit Mm -hmm. because they have to do their due diligence to recruit a, a top 100 guy, but I know probably a half dozen programs that aren't even recruiting him because they know it's going to be a waste of time and resources. He's a legacy to the Seminoles, and that's mm-hmm. pretty much a layup for them for next class. Hey, look, I had a legacy in my house. People would have been dead wrong going on that thinking, just throwing that out there for you. <laughs> Didn't yeah, quite but, work but, out. Um, yeah, we know the background story on that. and <laughs> Shoot, I mean, that, that's a better story for off the air. Yeah, I know, right, Uh, as it's been played out (laughs) over and over and over. Moving along, uh, Trayvon Grimes, um, everyone's wondering why he's not an Ohio State Buckeye yet. And then I come across a story where uh, a different school was mentioned that was not from the state of Ohio. Did I read that possibly, possibly UF? and maybe Miami might have a small chance at uh, the tall and very athletic junior wide receiver from St. Thomas? Yeah, and I would probably keep it at a small chance just because, I mean, this isn't a South Florida native. It's an Indiana native that grew up liking Ohio State, and there's a reason why the crystal ball, all 23 picks are in his favor. And I I could see Mm -hmm. him when he visits there next summer to to publicly commit to them. At the same time, he's going to take the visits that he can. An easy visit is right down the road to to Miami. And also you've got the QB there, Jake Allen, who – is going to do a heck of a job recruiting for the Gators and mm-hmm. get him in the car and go up to Gainesville and show him that. And and uh, as we've seen with McElwain, he's cleaned that up faster than anybody thought. And so you're right. seeing a ripple effect with the recruits in terms of that. All of a sudden, guys that weren't interested in them a year ago now are. Right. Um, yeah, I've, Jake's certainly, certainly done his part in uh, – 
trying to get guys that he likes and wants and thinks can can play up to uh, UF. Uh, I I just see Trayvon probably getting hit uh, or run over by a car with Chris Carter driving if he ends up anywhere other than Ohio State. Just just throwing that out there. Uh, Jerry Judy, a guy who's uh, been quite interested in Alabama. When I was up there in summer, he was there. Uh, I think he was there before me. He was there while I was there, and he stayed there after I left. I was wondering if the kid was moving up to Tuscaloosa. Um, but there, I'm also here. There's some other schools that he's interested in. Um, tell us those schools and what what amount of interest there is. Is there anything legitimate there? Yeah, and, and him and Grimes are probably the top two receivers, one um, A and one B. Anyway, uh, you look at it for next year down here, and you know it'll be loaded with probably 30 more. D1 guys just like it is this year. Mm. But uh, Batman's got a big lead there. He's got the connection, obviously, with, with Ridley, who's went up there and done a good job right away. And, um, you know, he'll lift school if he wants an A&M offer. He's going to visit Florida, Florida State, Tennessee. He's mentioned Ohio State a lot. But early on, Alabama's got a big lead, and he's, he's theirs to lose in, until this kid starts taking more visits next summer. Yeah, um, and, and you know that's a lot of what you see is you know with with the underclassmen. There's there's that team you wanted to go to. Then once you really start getting all the information and getting out there and start examining things and just basically getting older, because you know that frontal lobe is soft on the teenagers. I've been through that road a couple times in my house. Um, things start to take a different shape. So uh, it'd be interesting. Um, you know, seeing that and following that on. Well, listen, do you have anything you want to promote here for us? I know you're a guy that gets around, so do you have anything coming up that we need to know about? Well, yesterday, um, big news was Kareem Walker, who's the top-ranked mm-hmm. back in the country from North Jersey. He's been committed to Ohio State since the, since the national title game, and mm-hmm. it's been soft throughout this fall. Well, last night he finally publicly decommitted. You saw a run on the crystal ball to Michigan where mm-hmm. he's already officially visited. But if you have on 24-7 on the front page, the team, the dark horse, this whole time for him has been Arizona State. They've recruited him right. in a kind of reverse psychology manner and got his visit mm-hmm. in late July for four days. And obviously that's one of the nicest campuses in the country, wide open offense, can play right away. And it's appealed mm-hmm. with this kid. So, as you see, everybody right now thinking that he's going to go to Ohio State's rival in Michigan. I keep an eye on Arizona State, who's going to get an official in two weeks there. And uh, that would be a coup for, for the Sun Devils to land a potential five-star back. Oh, tell me about it. Uh, not often Ohio State will lose a recruit to Arizona State. So, that's obviously big news and something to keep an eye on. And, uh, Ryan, I appreciate you coming on and, and uh, talking here with us and, and – uh, you know, coming out and visit good old American heritage. Appreciate you doing that. Anytime, Chad. Take care. All right. Ryan Bartow from 247 Sports on here with us talking uh, a little bit of college football recruiting with uh, specifically some uh, top-name prospects down here in the uh, South Florida area. I'm going to take a quick break. When I get back, Andrew Spivey joins me from Gator Country, and Corey Bender from Scout.com joins me to talk a little bit of Miami Hurricanes recruiting and some South Florida recruiting here on the Gridiron Stud Show. We'll be back right after this. (laughs) 
Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! here on the uh, Wednesday edition of the Gridiron Stud Show, the recruiting roundtable edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. And without wasting any time, we do need to talk. One of the hottest teams in the country right now that has found themselves out of the rankings before the season started and somehow in the top ten in the initial college football playoff rankings. So that has to have some kind of recruiting impact. And here to talk about that possible impact is Andrew Spivey from GatorCountry.com. Spivester, what's happening? What's going on, Chad? It's great to be on. Thanks for having me on. Oh, yeah. Uh, Gainesville is a hot place and a hot town right now, and uh, we need to know just how hot it is in recruiting. And how hot that is is the name Jacob Eason, who is a solid, ready-to-be-delivered uh, to Georgia, has uh, now started you know, messing around with some other schools. And one of those schools is a team that they played on Saturday, the Florida Gators. What can you tell us with the latest on Jacob Eason? How serious is the, is the uh, sniffing around uh, outside of Georgia? Well, I, I would say that it's kind of been going on for a little while. He's definitely kept in touch with Doug Nussmeyer. There's a part of a relationship. Uh, Doug Nussmeyer recruited him to Michigan when he was at Michigan last year. So the conversation has kind of been going off and on since uh, Michael and Nussmeyer started recruiting the position in the spring. And uh, just recently, uh, over the last couple of weeks, when Mark Rick was really getting on the hot seat, it started to get, I guess, more intense. And then, of course, Monday was when he followed Nussmeyer and all of that got on. But, you know, I, I would think it's going to take a lot to flip a guy like Ethan unless something happens with Mark Rick or something happens with Schottenheimer uh, in that thing, just because he's visited so many times. But he's an early enrollee, so a lot of things have got to happen uh, quickly uh, on the back. Yeah, uh, Andrew there cut out on me, but um, – I think we. I think as much has been said is that Ethan, um, Mark Rick would have to lose that job, I guess. Um, and Spivey, you could talk whenever I get you back on here. But yeah, uh, I think I think it's boiled. Yeah, yeah, I think it's boiled down to Mark Rick probably has to lose that job for Ethan to not be a Georgia Bulldog. Am I correct? 
Yeah, definitely. It, that, it's kind of the, the domino effect of, of what happens with Rick. I, I, again, I think that he's pretty solid, and, and I honestly, I would say that if Rick did get fired, he, he'd still very well end up there because he is an mm-hmm. early enrollee guy. Uh, it's that process is kind of sped up with him a little bit. He's good friends with Ben Cleveland, a lot of the Georgia commits right now. And he's kind of the Jake Allen for Florida uh, is what is what he is for Georgia right now. So definitely something to watch, though, as Florida definitely needs a quarterback like himself in this class, uh, whether it be him, Felipe Franks, or even a Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, uh, well, certainly a development to follow, but I'm kind of with you. When a guy's an early enrollee, things got to, you know, spiral downhill or pick up really, really fast. And, you know, we'll just have to see here with really two months in which he would have to uh, make that decision. Uh, How about someone else that's been connected to him, and that's Isaac Nada. What's what's the latest on him? There's talk of him possibly um, sniffing around with the Florida Gators. Yeah, it's a name that's kind of been there since the summertime. He made several uh, what they call secret visits. And as you know, Chad, when a secret visit is always secret for a reason. He doesn't <laughs> want to be uh, known in the public eye. That was when he was committed to Florida State, though, so that's a big thing. Uh, you know, Georgia is the team that was the so-called team to beat because he's from Atlanta. But once again, there's the coaching carousel going on up there. As, as Florida fans know last year, there's never a good thing for that. So uh, the team, though, that I would watch with Nada is, is definitely Ole Miss because of his teammate Shea Patterson at IMC. But uh, the way McElwain's offense shows off the tight end, if you're a tight end, you have to at least visit Florida and look at it. So I definitely would expect Nada to visit Florida uh, here in the next month or so. Again, he's an early enrollee, so things have to happen fast. But a December visit to Florida wouldn't shock me at all for Nada. And if he does visit, you know, I can't say that I don't like McElwain's chances. Uh, he's a tight end guy that loves his tight end. Over the last few years, he's had one of the uh, most productive tight ends in the country year in and year out. And if you're a guy like Nada, that has to be uh, kind of uh, appealing to you. Yeah, no doubt about it. You just can't ignore that aspect of it, that the tight end is involved in Jim McElwain's offense, so uh, it would be attractive to him. And also to this uh, next guy that I wanted to talk to you about, and that is uh, that is Kelvin Lucky. Um, his name's being thrown around, and so uh, what's the latest with him and possibly being a Florida Gator? Yeah, he's a guy that, that came over uh, to, to the United States from Nigeria and has only been in America now for about two years. Only been playing football for three months, the basketball kid. 6'6", 230 uh, guy, 228. Uh, he's going to come on visit this weekend. Florida has only watched him on tape, so their their biggest thing is to see him this weekend, see if he can play the tight end position, uh, see if Greg Nord, Dutton Usmeyer, and those guys like him, and, uh, and see if he's a guy that can fit in I think if you look at a lot of the tight ends that have been successful in the NFL, they're, they're basketball guys. So maybe this is the next basketball guy that can come in for Florida. He's a long wingspan guy. And, again, at 6'6", he's a guy that can play some football. So the biggest thing is to see if he makes the eye test this weekend. And if he does, maybe we see some action this weekend. Yeah, um, you know, absolutely. And I think nowadays you quicker go on the basketball court to find your next tight end than, than the gridiron. That's kind of how this thing has uh, been working out. It started by Antonio Gates and and uh, and some others, and so it has it has continued. Um, let's talk about let's talk about this. Everyone's getting all lathered up about the receiving class for 2016. It is very very deep, and there've been a number of names thrown out there. Um, but one that's getting hot and heavy uh, in terms of f- being associated with Florida is Eli Stove. What can you tell us about Eli Stove, 
possibly coming to Gainesville in this class of 2016? Yeah, he's a guy that is from Knoxville as a a six-foot receiver, Uh, kind of a a mixture of a Julius Edelman and Emmanuel Sanders kind of playmaker. He's a guy that can play Mm -hmm. inside and outside with good speed. Uh, When he committed to Auburn in the spring, he was down to Florida and Auburn. Well, at the time, Auburn had the the better-looking passing game, per se. Uh, Florida didn't. Uh, And now that Auburn's starting to struggle, um, (laughs) kind of a flip of the fortune. Now Florida's quarterback situation looks better than Auburn's, and it's something that's caught his attention a lot. Uh, He's going to be on campus this weekend for Florida and then going to take an official visit either in December or January. But, you know, right now I I would say Florida has – has a better shot to get him than he does to stick with Auburn. I, from talking to the guy, he just doesn't seem like a guy that's very interested in Auburn uh, the way the season's gone. So uh, he's a guy that I definitely would keep a very close eye on in Florida um, over the next couple weeks. Uh, did you say he was planning on making the trip up there this weekend to watch the Florida take on Vanderbilt? That is correct. And then he's going to return for an official visit. Okay, um, and and did he set the date for that official visit? No, he said either December or January. Uh, Coach McElwain's kind of doing things differently. He likes to bring in most of his guys in January compared to December. Mm-hmm. He likes to get them in January, have that fresh on their mind to signing day. So if I was predicting right now and had a crystal ball, I'd say it's going to be in January. But you know how kids are. Today it's January. Tomorrow it might be uh, next week. <laughs> Yeah, you know it, it. You know it all gets crazy, and we'll be following it all here for the next two, three months. Well, uh, Andrew, I appreciate you coming on and talking Gator recruiting. As it's going to get crazy here as uh, Florida continues to pick up momentum. You got it, Chad. Thanks for having me on. All right, Andrew Spivey from GatorCountry.com, talking the latest in Gator recruiting. Some good information there on uh, Isaac Nada, um, as as well as Eli Stove. All right, moving from that to uh, South Florida recruiting and Miami Hurricanes recruiting. I'm pleased to have my next guest, Corey Bender, on here from scout.com. Corey, how's it going? Good, Jim. Yeah, you sound a little far away there, Corey. Can you hear me better now? <laughs> no, not really. I don't, you sound a little far away. Yeah, how about now? A little bit better? All right. All right, sounds good. Now, now, now you've come to earth here. All right, well, listen, let's uh, let's jump into it. This, yeah, there's a young man, uh, Jackson season, uh, Miami Jackson season is coming to an end here, um, but they they have a number of very talented guys. Last time I had you on, I think we talked about uh, the quarterback position and the that the, the dynamic player that they have there. But let's talk about let's talk about another guy on the team, Shamar Smith. Um, what's the latest on him in recruiting and, and what do we need to know about, about this talented youngster? Yeah, Shamar Smith, you know, Texas has actually held the, uh, the lead in his recruitment for several months. He was actually supposed to get out to Austin uh, for an official visit for the Oklahoma State game, uh, but decided to postpone that visit. No day has been set, but uh, Texas is still the leader in his recruitment. Uh, right now, he does have two official visits scheduled, though. He's going to Oregon State later this month uh, on November 21st, uh, and then he's going to Illinois on December 3rd as well. Uh, with Oregon State, you know, Coach Tully Lockett's doing a good job of recruiting uh, South Florida as usual, and obviously throughout the whole state of Florida. Now they've got Oregon State. And uh, with Illinois, he just has a great relationship with the coaches. He just has a great vibe uh, with all the coaches up there in Big Ten country. And, uh, you know, Kentucky, too. He said Kentucky's another school. Uh, that can get an official visit from him. But uh, right now, you know, Texas is the number one school right now, and um, I, I, it's going to be hard to beat them, too, I think, overall. I mean, they've held the lead for a number of months. 
uh, but he does have two other official visits scheduled uh, at this time. Where does the University of Miami fit into uh, all of that? You know, with them, they haven't really been too active. I know, like we were talking last time, they went into Jackson uh, just two weeks ago and offered Desmond Phillips, uh, you're the quarterback who really projects best as a slot receiver. Uh, but right now, as of right now, not too much, not too much as far as Miami and uh, Shamar's recruitment. You know, as far as you, it's going to be kind of interesting. You know, Charlie Strong, um, he's a guy that's been brought up for that job, you know, for the Miami job as for the vacancy. And, you know, with Texas being out front with him for so long, and I know Charlie Strong really likes him overall. I know that's one guy that him personally that he wants in that mm-hmm. Texas class. And, uh, you know, if, if he ends up getting that job, that's something to definitely keep an eye on. So when it's shocking, as soon as he got that job, if it was before sign day, you never know. Shamar could be one of those guys that gets a late-minute offer from Miami, and next you know he could be a member of that class. Uh, but as of right now, you know, Texas has a pretty good lead. Okay. Um, yeah, Texas, you know, obviously with Charlie Strong, they're still very active down here in, in Florida. So be interesting to see um, how many guys Charlie can get out of here, if Charlie can stay in Texas. Uh, so that's still also the, yep. something that's very much – up in the air. All right, well, um, let's talk about – you could easily get distracted with what has happened on the field for the University of Miami over the last two weeks. One week, losing 58 to nothing and nowhere close to a victory. Last week, having a victory in hand, being uh, taken away on a questionable call by a referee, only to have eight laterals go down and uh, more questionable stuff going on and a lot of boo-hoo and crying. But let's off the field, let's talk about recruiting. Since Al Golden has left, you know, what's happened in recruiting? Have there been new offers since Al Golden has gone? Yeah, there actually has been. There's actually two local ones, the two young sophomores out of South Florida. Uh, you got Xavier Williams, a sophomore wide receiver down in uh, down in Hollywood at Shamadon Madonna Prep. Um, he's a kid, I think, with a high ceiling, a really bright future ahead of him. Um, already has other offers from NC State, West Virginia, and Cincinnati. Uh, but like I said, Miami was the one offer he's really wanted. Um, he said it was his favorite school growing up, and he used to say he's very late about getting that offer. And I've seen some of his friends also on Twitter saying, hey, why don't you just commit already? So I know this is one offer he's definitely really excited about and uh, definitely one that came after Coach Golden was let go. Um, another one, Tyson Campbell. Obviously, down there, someone mm-hmm. you're obviously very familiar with, Chad, down there, American Heritage. Kind of, sort of, yeah, know the kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right. Had a monster last half of last week. I think it was, what, Florida, Miami, Clemson, Tennessee, Georgia, LSU, Bama, all those schools offered last week. And that's one thing. I'm, I've never seen something like that as far as a sophomore DB picking all those big-time offers in one period of time. But, you know, Miami was that second school, uh, following Clemson to throw their name into there with an offer. Uh, but I know he mm. did like LSU growing up, so – uh, but either way, that's another kid. And they obviously went out of state, too. They went and offered Chase Young, um, a 2017 mm-hmm. four-star defensive end of uh, Demantha Catholic up in Maryland. So, uh, yeah, three offers definitely went out uh, since Al Golan was let go. And um, like I said, it's, it's kind of hard to stop recurring. You always got the recurrings every day of the year down here in 365 days. So, uh, But, yeah, they wasted no time offering two local youngsters. They definitely have two bright futures ahead of them. Yeah, um, and so it's always interesting what goes on in recruiting once a coach leaves, especially in the middle of the year. So, um, you know, you can't forget about that aspect of it. Although you got to keep pressing on on the field and you got to prepare for games, you still got to recruit. So, um, yep. you know, sometimes it's interesting to see if that recruiting takes any kind of a different spin. Um, you know, once once a coach is let go or leaves in the middle of the season. So uh, certainly something we're going to keep an eye on. Um, well, since Al Golan's left, you know, there's three big schools in this state. 
Um, how has it impacted UF and FSU recruiting, Al Golden being gone? What can you share uh, with our users, our, our listeners on that? Yeah, because honestly, people are always going to bring up the Sam Bruce thing. A guy, obviously, people keep linking the Florida. He's took visits there, and obviously he's been open to taking those visits and everything going on. But um, when we talked on the last show, I mean, that's a guy people are going to keep bringing up. And um, as long as Kevin Beard's there, I don't see him leaving Miami. But another thing a lot of people keep bringing up, too, is Joshua Uche, because uh, Miami Columbus, a pass rusher. Uh, he's had a really mm-hmm. good last two seasons down there in Miami Columbus. Um, you know, there's been a lot of buzz you know, surrounding Florida and his recruitment. Um, he's a kid that loves mm-hmm. Miami deep down. I mean, he committed on the spot um, earlier this year, right with Miami offers. So, you know, his heart's definitely in Miami. But, you know, Alabama and Florida are two schools. He's taking hard looks at. He's going to take official visits uh, to both those schools. But Florida's one school has kind of had a good buzz surrounding him, uh, especially since Al Golan's been let go. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. one kid that really kind of keep an eye on moving forward. You know, it's hard to still in Miami, but it's a kid to keep, uh, keep an eye on. Um, you know, as far as Florida State, you know, Zach McLeod, he's another kid. Obviously, I love Miami growing up. The kid didn't really waste any time committing to the U. Um, you know, I talked to him recently. He's going to take all five of his official visits, and he's an early grad, too. So, I mean, he hasn't really had much time to really kind of figure this out, and he told me his commitment isn't 100% right now. Uh, he's going to take mm-hmm. his visits to Ohio State, Florida State, Auburn, Notre Dame, and Georgia. You know, Florida State and Auburn, those are two schools that have been heavily in the mix for quite some time. Uh, you know, dating back to the summer. So, you know, with uh, with Al going to let go, you know, his commi- his commitment got a little bit more shakier since. And uh, Florida State, mm-hmm. I know they've turned up the heat, too. And um, they're even more heavily in the mix now than they were before. Uh, but he's a kid, like I said, he's going to take all his officials right after this season. Uh, he's going to be an early grad. So, you know, these next two months are going to be extremely busy for him um, to figure out, does he want to stay home with Miami? Uh, or does he want to, you know, kind of head out and take another route? But he's going to take all five official visits. And already knows which five schools are going to get those visits, too. Yeah, I'm sure behind the scenes, uh, the staffs at Florida and Florida State are have like a, a Black Friday look to this thing, and they're trying to invade into uh, Miami's territory and see what kind of bargains they could pick up, who they can flip, and who they want to land on their ship and get on their side. So uh, you have to know that kind of stuff is going on behind the scenes. Well, Corey, as always, appreciate you coming on and sharing the information that you have with us on the Gridiron Stud Show. Hey, Chad, thanks for having me on, and uh, keep up the great work on the show. It's a good show. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it, Corey. Corey Bender from uh, Scout.com joining us here on the Gridiron Stud Show talking uh, South Florida recruiting and University of Miami recruiting. I'm going to take a quick break. When we get back, the legend himself, Larry Bluestein, here to talk high school football and local recruits in the South Florida area. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen. Yeah. 
quick uh, pregame interview with you. How many interceptions are you going to get off Aaron Murray this game? Uh, I'm going to try to get about two. About two? Why yeah. only two, man? Why are you going to try to get three? You know, I ain't no DB, but I'm going to do what I got to do. You know, really? Team win, I thought know? you look like a DB. Look, ball, I mean, because you play, you can play defense. You can be all American at defense. Now, yeah. I can do it now. You can do it now? Yeah, I can do it. But I'm trying to focus on my position running back, you know. I'm four stars, right? I'm trying to get that last one, you know. I get that last one. I'm why, why don't we give me four stars, man? They hating on you. They hating on Dylan kids? Hey, they hating on me on something. You know yeah, I got to be something in the mix. Hey, you know Larry Bluestein, right? Yeah, that's my boy. Yeah, man. Larry said that you ain't even the best player at Dillard, man. Huh? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. know. He tripping, man. What, what, what are you playing with me for like that? I don't know, you, man. You, I, are, you saying, are you saying that to give me crunk, though? <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Are you saying he want me yeah, to go 2,000 this year? Tell Larry you're the best player in the state right now. Oh, Larry, you know we good, boy. You already know I'm the best in the nation. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be number one right now. <laughs> hey, man, I see you. One of the classic interviews of all time. There isn't a better high school athlete interview anywhere ever than that one done with Travis Ward. I don't even know how many years ago, but my next guest was prominently mentioned in that all-time classic um, and I'm sure he's honored to have been mentioned, and that thing probably has a million views on YouTube. Larry, how's our guy Travis Ward doing? What's he doing these days? No, I, I think he was at Tennessee State the last I saw uh, <laughs> saw him, but uh, I'll tell you what, he was a classic. Great back. He's a great back. He just wasn't. Yeah, he was. You know, he was a step slow. And yeah, but, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, uh, he was still made good, famous. I mean, he made famous by that yeah. interview for sure, no doubt. No, <laughs> no doubt. He, was... he is the best in the nation, and he wanted you to know that. <laughs> he was a character, <laughs> but that's a lot. You know that every year you have guys like that. But he, he's definitely one that certainly was. Uh, yeah, but you know you like those kids who are outgoing like that. I mean, it's better than kids that just, you know, that don't approach you or anything. But he, you know, he's one of those guys that would. You know, I mean, call me all the time and text me, and he's yeah, he's he was pretty special. He didn't believe Corey for one second. He knew that I <laughs> I boosted him up for so many years. I wasn't gonna tear him apart then, but uh, no, he's he's pretty uh, pretty good kid, and uh, certainly it's um, you know this Wait, is the time. Wait, who did that? Who listening. did that interview? Because I've never known the answer to oh, that, that was question. Corey Long. Who, who, was, was it long. okay? All right, Corey yeah, couldn't. Uh, Corey was having a hard time holding himself together during that interview. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. That's right another in the part. middle of USF. Uh, right in the um, uh, one of those they had this uh, camp, and it was right sling in the middle and shoot of or something field. like that. I remember. Yeah, something it, was like it was like great. It was great. No, no, yeah, it was a sling and shoot. I, I forgot the Diller went up there, but you know that those were all. Those are pretty decent. I mean, those sling and shoots, they, you know, because USF was the originator of college seven on sevens. They've had mm-hmm. it for 20. Renato Diaz, in fact, is uh, the guy who started it. And I'm telling you, he, I remember they started out when, um, and USF had a trailer. They, you know, that was their football headquarters. No buildings or anything, but that was one of the first things. And I remember Miami Carroll City went up because not that they passed, but they defended. And they thought mm-hmm. it was the greatest idea in the world, you know. And that's then they started getting a lot of South Florida teams up. And uh, I still think it's one of the best, you know, because you have a, a sampling of teams all the way from Jacksonville, Tallahassee, down to, to Miami and Naples. But yeah, that, that was certainly uh, Travis. Was Those were the days, as they say. 
Yeah, yeah. seven on yeah. seven in its infancy. All right, we've got a big one Definitely. going down uh, Friday night. It is St. Thomas. It is Flanagan. And, you know, a little bit of the steam might be coming off of this thing because of the, yeah. you know, the rash of injuries St. Thomas has. But uh, it's still going to be a jam-packed house um, there on, on Friday. Um, talk to us. Talk to us about the guys we need to be paying attention to in this game, outside of the obvious ones. But talk yeah. to us about someone that might make an impact in that game. Well, with a lot of the injuries now, a lot of the focus on defense. Remember, uh, Nicky Bosa's often got a double team or so, or triple mm-hmm. sometimes. But uh, right, so that's gonna you know now everybody's gonna have you know there's no no double teams uh, and Flanagan's offensive line, which has been, you know, one of the, the, the sources of concern all year because, I mean, they're okay, but they're not, you know, they're not the greatest. That that may mm-hmm. ease up a little bit for them because mm-hmm. uh, they won't have to worry about double-teaming anybody there. And I think that a game like this, and I mentioned this over and over again, I mean, you look at Sean White's brother, who has just done an awesome job, Drew White, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when it's real first year starting here, uh, you know, came from Boca. Um, you know, he's one of the kids that I think that's really going to ha- have to step up the secondary of St. Thomas. You know, I mean, because mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. fact they're not going to, they're going to be afforded, uh, you know, less time now. You know, they're not going right. to have that push that that the Bosa does. So that's going to affect the the entire front seven. I understand the kid Moody may not play, so if he doesn't play, so then you're really talking hampering the front seven. As far as Flanagan's concerned, and I'll get back to a couple of the other kids, St. Thomas-wise, mm-hmm. that, that I expect to be good. But Flanagan, to me, and I've watched them a couple times and I've watched a lot of teams, I think they have right now the formula to have the best defense. And they've mm-hmm. done like similarly what St. Thomas did last year. Got knocked, knocked off track, you know, by South Plantation in a game where they had a few kids out, and they did probably didn't take it. You know, being a coach, that sometimes the kids, you know, roll their eyes at South Plantation, you know, but they, you know mm-hmm. they got stumped. Mm-hmm. But same thing with Don mm-hmm. Bosco last year. Uh, the Flanagan's come back with vengeance. I think they're they're giving up an average of five points a game. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. so you know certainly it's going to be tested by St. Thomas and St. Thomas big up front, new decision maker at quarterback. You know, down to the third string back. Although Jackson's great back, uh, it's mm. just going to be tough. It's going, but you know, as I said before, you look at this game, and, and to me, St. Thomas has been in this game fifty, sixty times over the last twenty years, uh, and this right. is, this is Flanagan's second biggest game in the history of the school. No matter what anybody wants to say, last year's Columbus game was because it would have sent him to state, but this mm. game right here has got to be uh, because you know, I mean. People don't follow Flanagan. They've been open since 97, and they've had seven winning seasons. You know what I mean? So it, this right. isn't exactly a juggernaut. This is what I call the Well, football form. only really got serious, you know, when Bush arrived, to be, to be honest well, with that's, you. So this is all new. But, but, you know, it's a perfect storm that started with a couple of fathers, Bush, Samuels, Ryan Collins, a couple of others who along the way built a pretty decent programs at Pasadena for a lot of years. So mm-hmm. they came up together. All of a sudden, they're, they're, they're assistant coaches. Uh, all of them were assistant coaches, um, you know, under Coach Simon. Then he left, and, and uh, Devin took the job. And it's been a perfect storm, Chad. It really has because, uh, if you know Flanagan, they don't really have a defined theater program that really, uh, you know, gives them a, a huge push of talent. 
See, not like Miramar does, not like Plantation does. So that's why I'm saying this is a huge game for them. The, you know, the average guys like Cato Nelson's going to have to step up. The, the offensive line is going to have to step up. They know the defense can carry them. And you know mm-hmm. when, that, when you have that feeling, when you have that feeling, then the offense gets to experiment a little bit more. You know, they're, they're not going to have sure, to worry. Sure, absolutely. Uh, you, you know, so I think in this game you're, you're looking at kids, you know, the big, um, the big play kids. Uh, I look for Clevon Thomas, those type of guys to come, you know, stand up and have a huge game. Uh, yeah, you're intimidated going into St. Into Thomas. Uh, Heritage played them last year at Sun Life. They know what it is. But this is just, you know, it's a little different team. Different, you know, command last year. It was Rocco. This year, you know, it's Roger. Um, he, you know, he had some young kids going in. Then all of a sudden he got some, you know, play areas that were kind of, you know, not a lot of depth behind it. So we'll mm-hmm. see. And, and I, I think this is a huge game for St. Thomas as well because, remember, uh, round two is going to be Dwyer, and that's mm-hmm. probably going to be their toughest test on the way to state. Um, you, well, you know, with, all these, you with all these injuries, Larry, doesn't it beg the question, should St. Thomas worry a little bit about their health coming out of this game that um, in the grand scheme of things in terms of chasing a state title is – meaningless uh, i know all the bragging rights and i know all the other stuff that's at stake but you've you know you've lost six seven guys here for the season um should yeah. that be a concern for them coming into this game well to be honest with you i mean it's like a boxer going out there and just throwing little jabs he's going to get mauled because flanagan's mm. not coming there to play again this is a big game for them no matter what anybody mm. wants to say this is huge because in a few years ago when Flanagan's not doing this well, and, and they probably mm. will get to that point again because they just don't – I mean, I've seen what they've got. I've seen the, the feeder patterns. They don't – it doesn't add up, especially mm. if Coach Bush isn't around and some of those other guys who were influences. But this is huge for them. And, I, you know, it, they, you always tell your kids, don't go in there and play half, you know, but, you know, because if right. you do, you're going to mm. get hurt. So either right. if, if St. Thomas has that type of, you know, concerns, then they should start younger kids and let them get their baptism under fire. But they're going to get kids mm-hmm. hurt any way you look at it because this is a physical game. These are two physical teams, two of the top teams this year, you know, in South Florida amongst, you know, others. But, I mean, two of the top ones, you know, especially, mm-hmm. uh, you know, considering the defenses and the history at St. Thomas. So, I, you know, I wouldn't – if I'm St. Thomas, you know, you you got to think. You have a quarterback out there who has just two games of experience. And Bo's a nice kid, mm-hmm. and he's going to do well, but he's just not ready. He's not ready for this. I mean, this is going to be – unless he gets just just crazy blocking, I think it's uh, – you know, and just get some help. <laughs> crazy you know blocking. I mean? this, uh, yeah, yeah well, this is the hard – this is, you know, to throw someone into the – this is as wolfish ooh, as it this, gets, this that Flanagan defense. This is Clemson, though. right? This is Rosier yeah. against Clemson, but <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. About the it's uh, the <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, the kid still has his clothes on when this thing is all said and done. All right, everyone's going to be at St. <laughs> Thomas and Flanagan. Um, let's talk about a couple of other schools under the radar a little bit that are uh, that deserve some talk and have been making some moves. One is going to be Chaminade. Um, I've mm-hmm. had people wanting to come and tell me just they're they're building something there. They're in the basement and they're building a little bit of a monster there. What have you seen from Chaminade, and what names can we take out of there and sink our teeth into being the recruiting junkies that we are? 
Yeah, well, exactly. You, the the one thing about Jason Milgram, he came there with one purpose, you know, to get his first job and to really not use it as a stepping stone, but use it as mm. a place where he could really carved out a pretty decent career because he watched George Smith. He watched Rocco Casulo. He was there for 17 years at St. Thomas. And he came over here and found that they had a pretty decent 2018 class. You know, I mean, they, mm-hmm. you know, you had Xavier Williams, you had uh, Sean mm-hmm. Chivers, you had kids, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of that nature, the kid uh, White, who the other big running back, you had, um, you had the Baptiste kid on the line. So you had the nucleus. But what happened then is then he started, you know, getting coaching that he knew that could teach these kids, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and coach these kids, just like we talk about Miami. I mean, the new coach, uh, he doesn't have to come in there and say he could recruit or this or that. Just tell him how you're going to teach and, and get the most out of these kids, you know, coaching. And that's what that's what mm-hmm. that's all about. He did, and he got them believing. You know, I was there for their very first game against South Broward, and they waxed and then, you know, before you know it, they're going down and beating Berlin and the Stavos team. And, 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 and you're looking and you get a kid like Cole Steely, you know, who's got experience. Uh, you know, kid has played for four years at the varsity level. He comes in at quarterback, so you have more of a, you know, a stable figure there. And then you have mm-hmm. an offensive lineman in, in the kid, uh, Stephen Jean Baptiste, who came over, I think, two years ago. Um, he's done a great job. And then he got really fortunate uh, by getting the kid, uh, A.J. Giancosco, from uh, Pitt who moved in, mm-hmm. a big lineman, mm-hmm. one of the strongest kids on the team. Uh, and then mm-hmm. defensively, they just started putting things together. And, and um, you know, they got Oxbridge in the first game. And then, like Milgram said, you know, if Oxbridge gets the best of us, maybe the last time because they're going right, right after. They're going after the top kids, you know, that want to come to that school. They had a perfect mm-hmm. setting the other day. They had FBU over there. So, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it sort of helps. You know, like St. Thomas does the same thing. Heritage does the same thing. you got to do that because, you know, Heritage, St. Thomas, and those private schools don't have a defined feeder. And, you know, they can't worry about the, the program only down the block, but they got to go, you know, throughout the areas and try to recruit their student athletes, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, very, very uh, competitive. Well, listen, uh, yeah. the cupboards got cleared out. Everyone blew out of town, and no one expected them to do anything. People no. had even speculated that they were going to move into one of those private school leagues, the SEC, but that none of that's happened over there at yeah, University yeah, yeah. School. They have found themselves in the playoffs and a legit threat to win one, maybe even two games. Um, no what, doubt. what have they done no over doubt. there, and who do we need to know about? Uh, who's out that uh, – who you just University saying? school. University, oh, University school. school. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. well they got, right off the bat, they have Booker T. So, I mean, and I know it mm-hmm. may be an average year for Booker T being five and five, but they're still somewhat dangerous, but pretty decent athletes. But I had a really good opportunity to watch him in the spring when they played Pope John, or now St. John Paul, and then I watched mm-hmm. him against Dade Christian in a battle of two unbeaten teams. I was impressed as heck with just about everybody. I thought Henry Columbia, a 2017 quarterback, way under the way, radar. And you know, you've watched him. You've been around. Right. You've been around his dad for a long time. The kid, I mean, yeah, he's got some improving to do, but I'll tell you, he he's a smart kid. He throw makes good throws. He's he's fast as heck. And I was really surprised because he's got the long strides. I mean, when you first watched him, he was like five six. Now mm-hmm. he's like six three. Right. So I mean, right. you know that growth spurt. Yeah, that growth spurt's happened. Uh, Al Blades has done an awesome job. I, I, I think the kid Mac Kenny McIntosh is only a ninth grader. Um, you know, mm-hmm. just an amazing running back. I mean, they have so much talent, so much young talent, and I, and, and guys that you know well, Daniel Bouquet, who you 
were with for a long time, mm-hmm. and then Coach mm-hmm. Wayne Blair, who you know is one of the most respected guys around. So they've got the guys that you know, Chad, that can teach, that can coach, and that's very important, especially when you have a fledgling program. And you talk about kids leaving there. You know, they left there. They went this place, and, you know, they had mm-hmm. a coaching change, and it really didn't mm-hmm. work out. You know, nice guy. but Yeah, all the reasons in the world the to uh, not be successful and uh, have overcome it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, I don't have to preach it to you. You you know, your son went there for all four of his years, and, you know, mm-hmm. he knows. I mean, he and, you know, he's doing darn well now for himself. So, you you know, you saw what it could be. And, and certainly everybody talks about, well, they're not going to be able to get this kid in or that kid in. Well, let me remind you, kids with grades like Sean White and, and Juergen and, and um, uh, uh, Julius, um, uh, the kid Brown, um, right, Jarius Brown and guys who had like three nine and four zero averages. It shows. It shows that you could play football and get good grades. And and I know that uh, you know um, uh, during your you know when you guys were all there, the same thing. You had kids who had pretty decent grades. And you know when I, I talked to Louis Berkowitz about it, you know he kind of laughs and thinking uh, of where he came from and where he is now. With you, and it's just amazing. You know, I mean, it's, it's yeah. Some it's, nerds it's can great, actually play football. How about that? Yeah. Huh? You see, you know, they, they'll they get it done one way or another. But, yeah, I, you know, you take into consideration that, that program. And like you said, they, they may have a shot, you know, against Booker T. And if they get that, it'll probably be Glade Central. So, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's great for them. And, and, yeah, I and think at the beginning the, of the year, Larry, if you said, hey, university school and Booker T in the first round, man, you're probably looking at a 50-something-to-nothing game. Yeah, well, that's not, yeah, that's not yeah, what you're saying that's now. That's not going to be the case. No, that's not going to be the case. And, and certainly they have some punch back to them. They've got to play a little bit more like they did against Glade Central than they did mm-hmm. against uh, Chaminade. You know, I mean, right. I think that that Chaminade game for them kind of like really surprised them. I, I think that they, you know, I mean, even though you, you're, you're young and, and every, you still get a little bit full of yourself after you win three, four, five games. Oh, sure. Row, you know, I mean, sure. it's, it's just a normal thing to do, and I think that's what happened there. But uh, coaches are getting them, you know, straight. So I, I like that program. I think they're going to do well. And, and, and they're, they're like I said, the coaching is just is, is very important. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it, and that's that's being proven there. One other school that you mentioned, uh, and speaking about the other two, and that's that's Dade Christian. Uh, always a solid program, never a marquee program, and they quietly go about their thing, and and they've been putting out some pretty decent athletes over the last few yeah. years. What do they have over there that we can talk about? Well, they have a lot of young kids. You know, I mean, this is this mm-hmm. is one of those programs that you know stood up early. You know, they just. You know, the whole thing is before the game and I was, you know, we're we're talking with some of the coaches and and one of the things that's really tough because where they're located, I mean, there's so many other schools, you know, to to fight for. And it's Mm -hmm. it's a, you know, like having a talk with uh, Kedonis Haslam, Udonis' son who's out at Mm -hmm. St. Thomas, but that's where Mm -hmm. he started. Uh, you know, and he mm-hmm. liked it, and and because of the program, you know, because it was a faith based school, and because of the fact that it was a closer knit family, he liked that, yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what's important. You could win at schools like that. I mean, that that school has won since the '60s. You know, I mean, they've mm-hmm. always had you know tremendous athletes, just like Westminster Christian. They've always had those type of athletes to win, and and I think it's important. I think you know they have a you know a, a nucleus like I, I said. There's a lot of young kids. Their offensive line needs to be built. They have a lot of ninth graders and key positions. Mm-hmm. They do have a kid who's going to be playing, I believe, 
hopefully in the playoffs. He's a junior, and he just um, um, I can't recall his name, but he's he's just like first year playing. He's already six three two thirty five, and he's like wow. a basketball kid. But you, I mean, wait till you see him. I mean, this kid. I I think he's going to be playing in the playoffs. If he does, I'll definitely tell you about him as well. Yeah, well, you know, you mentioned faith-based schools, and we're talking about you know local local talent. And you and I had a small conversation about a kid today uh, that's over at Calvary Christian, and uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, man, w- you know what what a player this kid is. Did you watch him at all? And did you get a chance? I to did see? get a chance to watch Diego uh, Fago, and uh, Fago, he's yeah. quite the player. Don't know why why I hadn't seen this kid before, but um, yeah, he's 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 definitely big time. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, I'll tell you what. I mean, if anybody saw the kid Sean Curtis last year who was at Ronald Reagan and Doral and now is at Ole Miss, a guy that any everybody should have been on. Six foot three, two hundred and thirty five pounds. Well, that's Diego. Running in the four five, four six range. He has tremendous as you saw from the film, he could go inside or outside on linebacker. Plus he plays offensive center. And that's the crazy mm-hmm. part, you know, because he's that dominating. And you watch him out on the field. It doesn't matter if it's 1A, 2A, or 8A. He's the type of kid that would fit in. But he's intelligent. He's extremely strong and quick, and he's very athletic. And, I mean, and you get an endorsement from Keith Sims, who, whose son uh, Storm also plays on that team. Keith played, you know, with the Dolphins for many years. And he was telling me mm-hmm. the same thing. He says, the kid is just outrageous. And, and that's one of the things that's pretty neat about every – program down here and you see it firsthand with all the former nfl uh kids playing you know right in front of you every day right and exactly. with them you have you have um you know a running back two who's on the horizon six foot 217 pounds his name is mossy gamble that's trent gamble's son from the dolphin mm-hmm. another kid at calvary who's a big time prospect uh you know he's he's only a 2017 kid like diego you know, that, that's what I'm saying. You get an opportunity at some of these smaller schools, and I got a chance to see close to 90 different schools this year. I went to a lot of small school games. I went to just to see the kids, and, you know, you'd be surprised, how, you know, how many kids will stand out and how many, you know, like the Miami Sunsets who, you know, have an opportunity to do something that school's never done before is win a district playoff game. They open up mm-hmm. uh, hosting West Broward in the first round. And, uh, you know, West Broward had a great year this year. I mean, best year in school. Yeah, there's another school. Granted. I mean, Sunset, West Broward, like the you – know, Sunset's the uh, Dade <laughs> County version of West game. Broward and vice versa. You know what I mean? Exactly. Sunset has a longer yeah. history of not getting anything done, but you're looking at pretty right. much the same school. So that's a battle within itself there. Yeah. And and you know what? When did Rocco Kosulo the last in the last five years ever go into Nova fearing that he may not win? <laughs> He's going to Nova in the first round, and I'll tell you what, there's another program. I mean, you know, uh, we just had uh, Coach Huntley on the, on the uh, show on Monday night. Here's a, here's mm-hmm. a guy, I, I mean, who, you know, was a big-time football player at Wisconsin, went on and played with the Chiefs in the NFL, and came down and coached with, um, you know, a couple coaches, including Frank Hepler, and took over the job this year. And Nova won a district title for the first time in 20 years. So, yeah, outstanding. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's yep. amazing. Football has been thrown it's, off it's, its axis here in South Florida this year. You realize, like, yeah. you know, Central's not the Central, and Booker T's not the Booker T. And you got my God, Sunset and West Broward in the same year. Like, what's what's going on? Is it the is that global yeah. warming? What's what's happening down here? <laughs> well, anybody that anyone picked in those two districts. 
didn't didn't finish. And that was crazy because everyone was looking at Cooper City and, and MacArthur, you know, to win that because they had a couple of other kids. But, you know, you got to give the coaches like Coach Renee Thompson at, at uh, West Broward a lot of props. You mm-hmm. know, you know, you live, mm-hmm. you know, you, you coach in that area, you know the kids. And, and look at oh yeah, he was at, he was in the little leagues. He was at West Pines when I was there, so I know his passion for coaching and for teaching kids. Amazing. So, um, it, it's bearing itself out there at West Broughton. Those yeah. folks should be quite happy that he's given them an opportunity to taste the postseason. And and you know another thing that people are start start to rumble about, and I think you could do it every year is when teams are two and eight going to the playoffs when you got eight and two teams staying home. I mean, does mm-hmm. that does that beg to get those regions back? You know, where you have the four best teams in the region. You know, after you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to be you know from one district or another. It could be three teams in one district, and that's right. the way it should be, I think, because that, that's the best sampling of the teams. And, and no cut mm-hmm. to Ely, but Ely's mm-hmm. one in or one in eight could be one in nine after the Soul Bowl this week, and they're going to the playoffs. Right. I mean, yeah, that's something like uh, Joshua Wilson from Florida HS Football is pounding the uh, – he pounds the pulpit on when he talks to me every yeah. time he gets on the show. He wants something done with that, and, oh, yeah, I could well, definitely uh, understand that. Yeah, because if you're a coach that just took this team through a 7-3 and three year, but yet Central and Carroll City were in your district, you know, that's not real fair. I mean, you know, that's not a sampling right, because – because the next six A district up has Boyd Anderson. Who did they win a game last year? I'm not. I don't remember if they won a game last year. I don't Maybe think not. that they did. They're better this year, obviously, but no, they were winless last year. They're going to finish nine year. and one. They're going to finish nine yeah. and one. Eddie Brown has done a great job. You know, that's a good thing. The bad news is they host Central in the first round. <laughs> well, well, you know, let's just you know make make good on the fact that you. Yeah, you know, that's a major turnaround. Maybe one of the best ever. So. Oh, um, man, you know, they got to take that. Sure. I agree. Yeah, outstanding. I mean, it's, it's a great tournament. And, uh, but, you know, there's there's so many teams in South Florida that, like I said, it's good to see some new faces. It really is. I mean, it's good to have the stability of the same, you know, especially teams that are on a run like you, like uh, Heritage is and like uh, uh, Booker mm-hmm. T and Central. They have all have consecutive dis- uh, state titles. And, and you know, you right. hate to see any of those end. Uh, but everybody right. has an obstacle. I mean, I you look at uh, a team that nobody talks about maybe in, in the path of Heritage is Orlando mm-hmm. Bishop. Or they have the biggest right. uh, scoring margin of any team this year. They've won more games in the regular season over the last three years than any team in the state. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's impressive. And they put Yeah, no doubt. And from what I saw last year, year, an extremely disciplined football well, team that will not well they will not yeah, they won't kill themselves. So Yeah. You know, and they got um, my attention something to watch out year. for. They got my attention this year after they beat South Sumter by thirty four. And I just think South Sumter, you know, just well coached, got a chance to see him during the summer. So I mean they're teams like that. In six A you always have mainland, you have Naples, you have Heritage you know, Palm Bay Heritage that could stand in the way. This may not be a South Florida dominance like we're used to. Uh and we may have a team or two, you know, get there and win it. But this year is gonna be kinda you know, it's up in the air. It really is in a lot of places. You know, we 
talk about St. Thomas. Uh, did they have enough with all these injuries to get by a Dwyer? Um, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. or, or even I'll tell you a team that could really be the the, the backbreaker for St. Thomas is Braden River. Probably one of the biggest success stories again. They're number two in the state um, in seven A. They're they're loaded. I saw them during the summer last year. They finished nine one and knocked off Venice twice. So uh, there's another p- program that's in the south side of the seven A. So that may you know you'd love to have a South Florida team going up. You know, we kind of stretch mm-hmm. it when it's Dwyer. We we kind of include them <laughs> when it's the South team. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, no, no question about that. Well, I, I'm, I for one cannot wait for the playoffs, and not just yeah, for us, yeah. but for all the other stories that are, I think, are going to come out of all of these classifications. So, uh, definitely uh, something for us to. Um, be looking forward to and the week by week drama that we're gonna have and you know everyone being on being on Twitter while at another football game that's that's just gonna be interesting as well. Well, listen, Larry, yep. uh, always love having you on. You're you're Thanks, an Dad. encyclopedia plus you're uh, you're a look into the future as well. So that's a great blend well, for us uh, here on the show. That. Thanks, right, Larry, Dad, and I'll, I'm sure I'll be it. bumping into you at a football game somewhere <laughs> soon. Soon enough. Thanks, man. I have a good day. All right, you too. Larry Bluestein, the legend, the man himself, um, here joining us on the Gridiron Stud Show. And listen, always fortunate when I could get him on to talk some football here with us. I'm going to take a quick break, and then I'm back for the final segment of the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit gridironstuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. Gridironstuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. On the track, bro. 
All right, we're back for the final segment of the Gridiron Stud Show, the special Wednesday night edition of Recruiting Roundtable. Uh, I just want to take some time now to thank the guests that I had on the show today. They always come on with great information, and I uh, just love having them on, updating us on the latest and greatest in college football recruiting, because you guys love it so much, and so do I. So uh, when I could get some of the best in the biz on here to talk about it, uh really feels good. And, um, again, the feedback on the show has been great. So I do want to thank... Greg Biggins for coming on from scott.com and talking West Coast recruiting with us. Always comes with a great amount of information. Woody Womack, uh, not just an entertainer, he's also an informer, talking about uh, some Southeast recruiting action that's going on here. Also had uh, Ryan Bartow on, a national recruiting analyst with 247 Sports, bringing us some great information from uh, various parts of the country. Uh, and then also want to thank Andrew Spivey from Gator Country, talking about the uh, Florida Gators recruiting, which has uh, remained hot over here for the last few weeks, especially with the Gators uh, performing above above the expected so far this season, and that's certainly given them a boost in the recruiting game. So a lot of uh, big names will probably be floating through the radar there for the Florida Gators, and we'll see if the staff is able to trap any of those guys from 2016 and land them. also want to thank Corey Bender, who always comes on with some great South Florida information and specifically University of Miami info. He was on with us talking about uh, a number of guys in the South Florida area for us to keep our eyes on. And then, uh, as always, Larry Bluestein comes through with uh, some of the best information you could find. Larry goes out and finds them. And so uh, putting us down with uh, great info on what's going on over there at Chaminade as they're trying to build up something really special over there. And he talked about uh, some of the prospects at university school who's managed to find themselves back in the playoffs again uh, after taking a year off from that, and uh, as well as Dade Christian who uh, always has good young talent, and Larry uh, shared some information with us on that, as well as Calvary Christian, who has uh, a number of very talented players on the team, and uh, including six foot three, 240-pound, very athletic uh, Diego Fago. Um, so he's someone that everyone's going to be keeping an eye on. And uh, he's hidden no more, as uh, some light has been shed on him. Uh, I hope... You folks that were listening early on that uh, have a five-star in your house, know a five-star in your house, really uh, take heed to what I'm saying. I'm seeing it over and over. Five-star athletes um, that don't really get themselves together mentally in the high school level really struggle at the college level. You have to challenge yourself. You're, you're going to find it very hard to get uh, the challenges in high school, you have to create your own. you got to create some goals, and you got to chase them, even though you don't have a lot of people there going with you. Because I promise you, if you leave with an, uh, a sluggish attitude uh, about approaching your craft, you're going to go to college, and you're going to get one of the biggest eye-openers ever. And sometimes it overwhelms guys to the point where they don't like football anymore, or it becomes so tough, it's tougher than it, it's ever been. And then all of a sudden, it's too tough this is not fun anymore and and then now you're done uh playing football something you never thought you'd say in your life so um you have to go about creating your own challenges chase your own create goals chase those goals yourself and it will only help you for the next level for a five star uh especially some of the guys at private schools where you don't have a lot of depth um usually if you're brought there and you're a five-star guy there really isn't anyone to replace you um understand this some of these private schools, a majority of them down here in South Florida, are very good at getting you to college. They're not necessarily all that great in preparing you for it. 
And so by that I mean, yeah, you'll get to college, but are you prepared for all of the competition? Are you prepared for the day-in and day-out grind? Because you're kind of um, able to do what you want in high school, and that definitely will not be the case if you go to one of these marquee programs, as many five-stars do. So if you're going to Ohio State or Alabama or USC or Florida or Georgia or Texas or one of these places uh, or Michigan, I mean, try rolling in to Jim Harbaugh's practice and try walking around from drill to drill and see what uh, Jim Harbaugh has in store for you. You're not going to like it. And any of these marquee programs that are performing at a high level, I can guarantee you they are being run by a head coach and a coaching staff that is very intense. You may not, they may not seem intense to you, some of them, in, uh, in, in the press conferences or where you see them publicly or even in your interaction with them on the phone or in person, but I can guarantee you every last one of them are intense. Some show it all the time. Others will only reveal it on the practice field. And Urban Meyer is kind of one of those guys. You see him in public. You see him doing interviews. Uh, you meet him in person in the recruiting um, in the recruiting trail. Uh, seems even keeled. But I tell you what, you go over there and you're at Ohio State and you're not paying attention to detail. You're you're going to see a different person. And this is required to perform at a high level. Like Jim McElwain seems so happy, go lucky, like the aw shucks next door neighbor. If you're not paying attention to detail and doing everything that you need to do to win over there, you're going to see another side that you uh, really don't like. You know, it's it's going to kind of be like the side Kelvin Taylor got when he did the the uh, gesture after scoring in the New Mexico State game. Every high-performing coach has that part in him. I can tell you that right now. They have another side. There is a switch that will get flipped, and uh, they'll find a way to drag out. The the intensity will come out of them. So please don't for a minute think you could take that for granted. Please don't for a minute think that you can bring a high school attitude to a college football field and present that to a guy who's under a tremendous amount of pressure every year to win and think that that's going to be okay. There's no way in high hell that that's going to happen. No way in hell. You are not going to cost that coach his $5 million, $6 million a year job by walking around on his practice field. I wouldn't allow it. You'll see the other side of me if I'm in that position. So um, I'm not a person that likes a lackluster effort, especially if you're talented. And I can guarantee you them guys making four, five, six, seven million dollars $7 million a year are not with that at all. And it's not even about the money. It's that these guys like winning and walking around and having a nonchalant attitude because you're a five-star and you think someone should kiss a ring or bow down to you because you played in an all-star game. I promise you, you better leave all that stuff packed in a trunk at home and don't bring it with you because the coach doesn't, the head coach doesn't care, your position coach doesn't care, the damn special teams coach doesn't care, and the players that are already there can give a good goddamn that you played in the Army All-American game or that you were the MVP of some full-ass camp somewhere. They don't care. So I'm telling you, you better find ways to challenge yourself or you're not going to be able to handle the challenges that come your way. You're going to find it very difficult to deal with being a face in the crowd. So start on that right now, and that's uh, that's my message 
to uh, some of you four and five stars out there that might be listening to the show or to the parents or four or five star. Um, you know, definitely if you need them to hear this message, come back to the gridironstudshow.com website um, and it will redirect you to replays of previous shows and you could put this show on and play this segment right here. If they don't listen to anything else I ever say on this show, you better have them listen to what I just laid down here for you and what I laid down earlier in the first segment. They don't get that. They're going to be back home in that spare bedroom, okay? Big guy's going to be at the table leaning over uh, a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch and eating you out of house and home. So you better get that message across to them and uh, make sure that that doesn't happen because there's nothing like sending him off to college and having all these hopes and dreams for him and then by December he's back back at the crib doing nothing outside of eating you out of house and home. Nobody wants to see that. All right, so I hope that message sunk in. I hope you guys enjoyed the show today. Again, a ton of great information. And uh, if you missed it or you just came in here at the end, be sure to hit the replay. Come check out the archive of this show and listen to the entire thing. Damn near two hours here of jam-packed recruiting information you could sink your teeth into. But that's not it. If you're listening here for the first time, please be advised that the Gridiron Stud Show airs weekdays from at 10 a.m. here on Blog Talk Radio. So I am again on tomorrow talking college and NFL football. Also have my two reporters on, one from the Florida Gators, Nick Delatore uh, from Gator Country, and I also have Bud Elliott on to talk Florida State football. We'll be doing that, and then on Fridays, the Football Friday Show. You don't ever want to miss the Football Friday Show. You just can't you can't roll into your football weekend without listening to the Football Friday Show here on the Gridiron Stud Show. You don't want to do that. So Emil and I will go through college and NFL football and make our picks, which have been pretty damn good this season. And then I have uh, a nice little segment on high school football, and we're going into the playoffs. So you definitely don't want to miss that. So if you're joining us tonight, thank you very much for listening to the show. I want to thank all my guests for listening, and I look forward to uh, having you join us tomorrow, Thursday, at 10 a.m. on the Gridiron Stud Show. For now, enjoy the rest of your night. Thanks for listening. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen.